Welcome to Growing Lensley. My name's Adam Streeter. I'm the General Manager of Lensley Gardens. Join me each episode as I talk with members of the team about everything from history of the gardens, restoration challenges, wine, wallabies, and everything in between. Get a peek behind the scenes, hear stories from all those involved, both past and present, whilst we also talk about what the future holds for the estate. It's never a dull day when you're growing Lensley. Okay, well, I'm back with Jamie Head Gardener. Jamie Head Gardener? Is that, is that your full name? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jamie is the Head Gardener of Leonardsley. And um, we, we, we decided uh, after the last podcast not to go and do the, the Mad Honey and uh, Labrador tea um, uh, trick, but <laughs> just, to, just to make sure that we could get on. Oh, shame. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, we were having a, a chat and actually thought it would be a, a good... Um, you know, a good bit of content, good, um, a good podcast. So, I mean, I am sort of personally wanting to do a little bit more with, you know, my own, okay, my own garden, my own personal garden, not, not my, <laughs> my garden that is Lennersley Gardens. Cause I think that's, um, you guys are very much <laughs> looking after that and doing a great job, but yeah, with my own personal, you know, space, I want to, um, look at, you know, trying to, to grow my own rhododendrons and try and add and, and you know have my own little Lennonsley and I thought that's yeah you know that's um, I was trying to you know, get advice from from the guys who really know what they're talking about and I think um, you know you, you've got a, a I'll lot see of if I can go and find <laughs> someone <laughs> but but we had to just stick with Jamie today so. <laughs> and um, no it's um, yeah I think I think it'd be really interesting because I think that's probably what a lot of people that come to Lennonsley yeah um, they will think well you know God you know. It's, probably unattainable but what if what if i could yeah. do this and i think um you know i think it, it can't be it was obviously it's not impossible it's, it's definitely all very very achievable and I, I know that because you know when we first opened we had lots of um lots of visitors that had come visiting the gardens for you know the first time in 10 15 20 years and and always you know people will come to me and say that you know they when they last visited they'd bought a, a rhododendron oh, a wow, yeah. rhododendron they'd come and they'd they'd grown it and you know i've seen the pictures of so many rhododendrons in so many people's gardens but it's a lenardsley rhododendron yeah. it's a, and it's a plant from here and um oh, that's great i'm you know, really proud of it so you know I, I think that that that's now just that we want to make sure we get Give people all of the, the the tips and 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 the, and the, the way to yeah, to get their garden looking the best. So, okay. I mean, I guess first of all, what I mean, what what do, what do they bring to to the garden to your garden in general anyway? Yeah, sure. I mean, rhododendrons, as we sort of touched on in a, in a previous podcast, podcast, they're not native to this country, so they offer that kind of exotic, spectacular display. Mm. Um, they flower at a time of year where, I mean, summer people tend to associate with the English garden, yeah. whereas rhododendrons are mostly spring flowering. Yeah. I mean, you do get some that flower later in the summer, some are even in winter. Yeah. Um, they're perennials, so they don't die back. Most are evergreen, yeah. so you get some sort of uh, interest all year round. Um, a lot of them are scented. Um, they're often grown as focal points uh, in a garden to sort of draw you around a space, perhaps, okay. or to be like a, a feature sort of signature plant. Um, you can even get dwarf varieties, which you can grow in pots or okay. on, on a balcony if you, okay, don't, if you so don't have a garden. So if you don't have a garden, yeah. it's definitely kind of, it's not something, because you, yeah. you, I think, you know, that would be, for me, I'd look here and, you know, looking out the window now, they're just, you know, giants. And you think, well, yeah, you've, got to have a, yeah. Yeah, you've got to have a big garden, but if, if you know, you could actually even do it on, on yeah. your balcony, amazing. I mean, in the rock garden here, we've been planting some dwarf ones recently just to fill little tiny gaps in between rocks. So, okay. uh, yeah, there's... 
they, they, they add uh, so much to a garden. It's not just the flowers as well. They've got some of got really interesting bark, sort of mm. red peeling bark uh, and that, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's so. something for me that I kind of, I'd, I'd love when you kind of, yeah. so, you know, some of them that are obviously, you know, decades old and they've yeah. actually underneath the canopy is even yeah. more beautiful than actually when it c comes into flower yeah. because it's not just a, you know, a, a, a traditional sort of a, a tree. It's, it's yeah. so kind of involved. So it's um, no, quite amazing. Um, so I, I mean, I guess if I w if I were going to um, going to put the red uh, put red engines into my garden now, I mean, is it as simple as okay? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have that spot over there. I want to just plant something there, or is there, do I need to think a little bit harder and go well? You know, what sort of areas in the garden should yeah. I be, be looking at? Are they are they all different? Are they you know do different red engines need different spaces to be planted on or a, a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could plant one anywhere, but it won't necessarily <laughs> thrive in every single spot. Um, a lot of it is to do with the soil, so uh, you do need uh, acidic, ericaceous soil yeah. really to, for red engines really to thrive. Um, so. Soil acidity is measured on something called the pH scale. Yeah. Um, zero to 14, seven is neutral. Uh, the lower numbers are the acidic numbers. So you can get a simple pH test from most garden centres, yeah. or you can send away and. You say most garden centres, Jamie, or probably the Lennersley Garden well, Centre would, would be yes, a fantastic. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Lisa uh, sells plenty of absolutely, them. Absolutely, <laughs> and you know, members ten percent discount. <laughs> <laughs> and then once you've determined that you have got um, acidic soil, then yeah, definitely you can go ahead. Um, they'd rather not sit in in full sun, although some of the sort of dwarf alpine um, species like the ones I mentioned for the rock garden, they, they tolerate full sun, most like a sort of dappled shade, um, not full shade underneath a tree canopy, but some, some dappled shade and definitely sheltered conditions. They, they don't like you know, sort of scorching winds or uh, they like a bit of protection. So that's why they thrive so well here at Lennersley, a nice sort of sheltered uh, mm. valley here. Um, so, so top tip is uh, to dig a valley into yeah, your garden. Yeah, brilliant. Put a 240 <laughs> acre valley in your garden, and you're well away. Perfect. Um, but you're not too exposed, basically. Okay. So, um, I mean, no plants like to be too exposed, no. apart from the, you know, the the really hardy ones. Yeah. Um, when you do actually physically plant them, don't plant them too deeply. That's another sort of trick. So, um, rhododendrons are, are quite surface rooting, so right. just they like soil just a little bit of soil on top of their roots. So. Um, and that's, a, that's true for a lot of plants. If you plant a, an apple tree too deeply, it won't fruit, for example. Okay. So make sure they're not too deep and preferably once they're in the ground, give them a kind of a mulch around, a mulch being some organic matter that you just put on the soil surface and preferably something from an acidic plant like a conifer or some, we, we use bracken mulch here, for right. example. Um, that mulch not only sort of looks attractive and sort of has a, a feeding benefit for, for the plant but it also suppresses weeds retains moisture um, encourages worm activity which improves soil structure so if in doubt for most plants a good mulch will, will be a good start brilliant and and sort of watering is it something that once you've once you've planted are you am i out there watering you know 10 times a day like a newborn <laughs> baby or is it, <laughs> <laughs> not 10 times a day but i mean they, they want to be drying out but that's the same with any plant you when you plant anything in the in the ground uh the best time to plant is is either autumn or spring uh autumn the the, the ground will, will still be warm from the summer but they'll have some moisture and certainly have the whole the winter rains to come 
or, or spring is the next best time to plant. Yeah. Um, but they do grow better in areas of high rainfall. Um, I mean, there's some stories going around that um, Wisley, the RHS, are thinking of moving some of their rhododendrons from there up to some of their northern gardens. Oh, really? That's a kind of reaction to sort of climate change. Oh, wow. So obviously last year we had one of the yeah. hottest summers on record, if not the hottest. Um, some of our roadies, they, they struggled a little bit at the mm -hmm. time, but they look like they've recovered. So yeah. um, fingers crossed we don't get, you know, that sort of summer every year. But um, they certainly prefer a decent amount of, of rainfall i'll add that to the list we need to find another 240 acre valley up north somewhere <laughs> yeah. just to, just in case we need to start yeah. moving everything like a sister garden yeah. <laughs> um and they prefer not to have tap water so i mean it, it doesn't matter if you do use tap water but rain water is better okay. so ideally you have a water butt yep. coming off your shed or something and, and harvest water that way which is obviously better for the environment Absolutely. anyway okay all right brilliant um and then I mean, uh, so if, I'm, if I've planted something fairly young and, uh, you know, what, what, how long do you think it would be before I'd have to start pruning, kind of at, at, at keeping being kind of tentative, yeah. attending it and uh, looking after it? I mean, they're pretty low maintenance. I mean, the ones here at Lennersley we do have to prune because yeah. some of them are huge trees. Okay. But um, certainly in the, the first few years, you, you shouldn't, shouldn't really have to prune them. Um, going forward, it's just sort of the removal of, de of dead wood, really, any dead, diseased, the three Ds, they call them dead, diseased, damaged. Okay. Uh, that's what you would remove. Um, otherwise, you're just pruning for size, really. So if it's getting too big for the space, you, you can prune it. Um, we did touch on in a previous podcast some of the restoration pruning we're doing here. Yeah. Um, so most rhododendrons do respond well to some quite hard cutting back. Um, not all rhododendrons, though, only the rough-barked ones. If you've got a smooth-barked type like our, our loaderize here, for example, we, you can't hard-prune them because right. they, they won't flower again. Okay. Um, feeding and mulching is another thing. So you would always, after a, a hard-prune, give it a feed and a mulch because um, the pruning itself is quite a stressful process for the plant. So that would um, help it recover quite quickly. But generally... Once a year, a, a little feed won't go amiss. Okay. Um, it's but not like roses that are really hungry yeah. plants that you have to feed all, all, all summer round. Just a kind of a little general purpose fertilizer once a year, probably in spring. Um, if you think your soil's not acidic enough, you can get ericaceous feeds. So they're kind of heavy in mm -hmm. iron and they just improve the, the acidity of the soil if you're on a sort of a neutral or slightly alkaline soil. Okay, so so overall, I mean, probably in terms of the sort of the different plants you might look at putting into your garden, roadies are possibly you know, something that are fairly quite high impact for fairly low yeah. kind of maintenance. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I say you can get plants that you need to be tending to all the time mm. and deadheading and cutting back and staking and but a rhododendron, as long as it's you know well watered and and fed once a year, you, you can kind of let it do its thing, really. Okay, and, and I mean, what, what are the downsides? There must be some downsides of sort of any any issues that might crop up. I mean, are they prone to any sort of um, diseases or sort of pests that we need to keep an eye out for? I mean, they're fairly hardy. I mean, not there's no plant which is, you know, free of, of all pests and diseases. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, they're, they're pretty low maintenance. Um, they can be sort of suffer a little bit as I mentioned in in real drought conditions uh, you'll find that perhaps the next season some of the flower buds don't form properly because the those buds form in in late summer and if they haven't got enough moisture at that time the, the bud might not form properly touch wood so far that doesn't seem to have been the case here we, we did do some emergency watering of a few of the younger 
um, specimens here, but established plants should be able to cope, cope with that fine. Um, yeah, not, but it's not just, just the, the, the drought conditions. If it's really windy or really cold, you can get um, scorch on the leaves, but the plant will recover from yeah. that straight away. It'll just look unsightly for a little while. Um, if you notice the leaves going quite yellow, it's called chlorosis, and that usually ref, um, reflects uh, poor nutrients in the soil. But um, it, as we talked about before, a regular feed and a mulch will, will combat that. Okay. Um, there are a few nasties, um, honey fungus and bud blast and scale insects and vine weevils and all these <laughs> things that sound horrible, but I mean, few and far between really. If you keep a plant healthy, it should be able to fight off um, mo most pests. Um, the, the big thing is Phytophthora, which people may or may not have heard of, but um, Southern Oak Death is its common name. Um, Phytophthora remorum is its uh, botanical name. Um, it has wiped out huge plantations of larch in this country, um, but Rhododendron ponticum is a, a vector for that, as, as I think we've discussed yeah. in a previous podcast. Um, that can spread, <coughs> excuse me, via spores. So. Um, yeah, the ways to get around that are to keep monitoring the plant and checking it and any fallen leaves take away in case they're harboring those spores. They can spread um, just from animals, pets, people's boots, that sort of thing. Okay. So keeping sort of some vague sort of hygiene in a garden yeah. will, will help with that. Yeah, so I guess it's important you're going from different gardens just yeah. to try and, I mean, it's... I guess it's, it's, again, something difficult, but, well, not difficult, but, you know, it's just a, a simple thing that, you know, probably most people don't do, but it could actually make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, so if you if, say you're, you're visiting a, a garden, perhaps don't wear those same boots when you're treading around your plants. I mean, yeah. that's going a little bit over the top, really, to be <laughs> honest. But um, here we certainly, yeah, as I think I've mentioned before, yeah. we don't let our gardeners wear their work boots off-site. You know, they, they keep them just for use here mm -hmm. for, for that, that sort of reason, really. But, yeah, Phytophthora is the big scary one, but um, Touchwood, again, it's, um, it's, it's not prevalent. You just have to keep an eye out for it. Is it, is it sort of a, is it a problem when you're buying plants? So if, if, if I wanted to buy a plant from different garden centres, and yeah, you know, is it something point. to keep, a, keep an eye out for? Yeah, How I mean, do you keep an eye out for it? I mean, oh, we, we've got the luxury here. that We've got a space, kind of a quarantine area. Yeah. So any plant we bring in, we, we keep it in that space for up to six weeks, and we kind of monitor it and see if it develops any any illnesses or it you know, doesn't look quite right. So rather than just getting it and sticking it straight in the ground, we're, we're quite careful because mm. we've got you know an important national collection here and historic 100-year-old plants. So we don't want them to be affected by something we're bringing in. So we, we're careful. At home, in your home garden, you're probably <laughs> unlikely to have a quarantine space. So um, yeah, but just make sure you buy from a re reputable um, nursery, such as uh, the one here at Lindsley, for example. <laughs> so even years before, you know, years before COVID, the, the gardening worlds they were, you know, well ahead of the game. You know, quarantining for, yeah. for weeks beforehand. So I, so I suppose I could get away with going to the garden centre and quarantining away from the, the wife and kids for a couple of weeks, <laughs> <laughs> just to, just to make just to be safe. But, um, I mean, I, you, you mentioned COVID, but it's quite interesting because the little test we use to test for phytophthora is. A little PCR yeah, test. So it looks really exactly similar. like a COVID test. You put a little drop in, and yeah, and you get the little little line to say you're with a COVID test. So um, that, those COVID tests came from these um, these Phytophthora tests for, for plants. So um, yeah, it's all connected. God, so yeah, so you you, 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 you weren't too kind of surprised then when you were having to do a, a PCR test. Probably a little bit not so pleasant doing it on yourself. But no, uh, but yeah, it wasn't completely alien. Certainly, yeah. No, brilliant. Um, and I, I guess I mean that's that's. Probably, I mean, would 
good bit of information to to get everyone started. I mean, the, the next thing I think we we've sort of had a little chat and we um, you know we quite like to discuss and, and and get a little bit more information about how we might propagate our own yeah. plants and I mean that's a, a little bit more detailed. So I think we're gonna. Um, perhaps do that in the area that we we actually in the glass house where yeah. we do that. So that'd be quite a nice chat. And um, you know, is that because is that, is that essentially something that people can do at do at home themselves? Is it? I mean, it's obviously you know a, a couple of levels up now, but yeah. uh, I guess a little bit more interesting. There's certain bits. I mean, you can you can save seed from rhododendrons, for example, in which you know, a lot of people are, are used to sowing seeds on their windowsill these days. It gets a bit more involved with rhododendrons with air layering and grafting but um okay. if anyone's interested we can certainly uh, you know pass that information on and the whole lennersley story is all tied into yeah. to breeding and and crossbreeding um, rhododendrons so um yeah it is, it'll be all valid okay well personally i'm going to start off by just uh, trying to plant a few a few in my garden and myself and uh, and and see if i can get those to thrive you know be pretty embarrassing living in the, <laughs> in the heart of lennersley and to have a um you know not be able to do that so uh, I'm sure I will, and I, I'm, I'm sure you and the team will be on hand to help me if I can't get it right. Um, yeah, I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, okay, so I, I will get together next time, and um, and we'll focus on the propagation, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I think it'll be really interesting. Excellent. Sounds good.